and welcome to episode 201 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening is my lovely, wonderful co-host, Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? Hi, I am super excited and just realized that I am going to be talking a lot this episode. Yes! Ha ha ha! It's like some sort of revenge plot. No, uh, <laughs> not, not really. But uh, yeah, we are mostly going to be focusing on the new major update that we got to world v world and i am i once did some world v worlds way back long ago in the day but that was uh a different time in a different place with a whole different reward structure and progression and i i don't know anything so uh that's mostly mostly gonna be spirits jig tonight and i will maybe hopefully provide some thought-provoking questions or discussion <laughs> Sure. Uh, before we go, do we want to talk about the balance patch also that hit before this? Yeah, so I wanted to say a few words about it. this. Is a, this patch is a few weeks old, but uh, yeah, I wanted we to say a few delayed. things about it. Anyway, yeah. so the the huge thing, and I'm going to talk about this mostly from a PvE perspective because that is my, my best understanding of balance. Uh, one of the big things that happened is seaweed salad was nerfed from 10% down to 5%. So... That in and of itself, I like as a good change. Um, it needed to happen. Seaweed salad as the best. It was far and away better than anything else, first of all. Um, and it promoted some really unhealthy gameplay, just in, in terms of uh, how you interact with your character, and then also the actual physical health impact on your arms and your wrists if you are constantly shuffling your character around like that. So I, it had to go. It absolutely had to happen. Um, the reason that this update got a lot of critique um, and why some people didn't like the changes is... Uh, well, the main reason is that before this patch, power and condition damage builds were on a pretty good, pretty even playing field in PvE um, in terms of damage. Uh, DPS builds, yeah, I guess we're just roughly even. And then what happened when Seaweed Salad got nerfed by 5% is all the power builds got a 5% nerf and all of the Condi builds stayed the same because their food didn't get changed. And so they are now not on on even footing. And the Condi meta is definitely, it was already kind of... Uh, taking over raids because Condi builds are really well suited to um, bosses with large health pools and then also the mechanics of raids. So thing, thing, when you have to deal with mechanics, right, you stop moving your character, you move around things, you're away from the boss, whatever. On a power build, if you're away from the boss, your damage stops. A Condi build, it keeps ticking. So if you're not sort of top tier... Condi is a pretty good option for you in terms of getting stuff done. Um, I find it a little bit overblown how people are saying the Condi meta is completely Necromancers cemented. are dead forever. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I got some things to say about Necromancer too. But uh, I find it a little bit overblown. Power builds are still absolutely viable. People are still clearing bosses with power builds. Um, and even so... <laughs> One thing I always hear is, well, well, QT says that Condi builds are far and away better, and then you actually watch QT videos, and a lot of bosses, they're still using power builds, because some bosses, even on the high end, are just more suited to power than Condi. So, I think what people are saying is not necessarily what's happening. There are a few uh, exceptions. So, like, Power PS Warrior is just in a really bad place these days, because it just can't... it it doesn't do enough to justify the low damage. Mm -hmm. um, so Condi PS definitely has taken over the, the power PS, except in a couple very rare situations. Um, but mostly, mostly balance is still pretty good. And people way, way over, over blew the, the changes. Uh, the top tier food now for most most people who were using seaweed salad before, unless you can keep up seaweed salad permanently. So I like I like what they did here in that seaweed salad is still the best, but 
Um, you have to be pretty damn good at it to actually get the best benefit out of it. So for most people, the not, you know, God tier players, uh, the rest of us are using sweet and spicy butternut squash. And also... These conversations uh, sound so funny. Like, yeah. just... <laughs> The sure. god tier people are using seaweed salad, but the rest of us, you know, we're yeah, using Yeah, the sweet rest of us are sweet and spicy butternut squash soup, dragon buns, and carrot souffle. That's what we've got going for us. Get your hot dragon buns. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, sorry. That's my contribution to this episode is uh, making, <laughs> making snarky quips about arguing over food and, you know, whatchamacallit. Yeah, so one... One other exciting change, because, I mean, they did a bunch of other, you know, skill changes and trait changes. One other exciting thing, just on a general scale, is that all classes now have a viable Condi raid build, except for Guardian. Guardian's but close, cares, right? but it's not quite there yet. Yeah. But that's really cool. No, I mean, who cares about Guardians? Not, not who cares about that fact. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, it's really cool to me that um, every class has a viable Condi build. I yeah. think that's a really... And Guardian is close. Guardian is really close. I, I expect it to have one soon, maybe in the next balance patch or the one after. I would I would wager that Guardian will be in in place as well as soon, which is is super duper cool. Like I'm just excited about all the raid balance is in a good spot in the moment. Even even with the seaweed salad nerf, every class has a viable role. Um, some are more widely used than others. Which is, you know, I mean, that's always going to be, be a case. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the ones that are not widely used have the potential to become more widely used. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just really excited about it. There's so many cool. There's a lot of gear options and a lot of um, class options, and it just feels really good. Even though we're we're still in that meta where you kind of still need two druids, two PS warriors, and two chronomancers. But starting to open up a little bit, like one of the one of the big things that came out of this patch is Condi Ellie, which I know people have been trying to make Condi Ellie since the dawn of Guild Wars Two. Oh yeah, absolutely. Condi Ellie with Scepter, no less. Uh, the Dagger Warhorn variant of Condi Ellie is the higher DPS option, but if you run Scepter, because all of these other builds, um, the Condi PS and such, there's just a lot of fire fields running around. Um, L-E-P-S, quote-unquote, because it doesn't really have... P-S stands for Phalanx Strength, which is the warrior trait that shares might whenever a warrior gets might. So that's why uh, people are using that as an abbreviation. But the the L-E version of this build can slot in for a P-S warrior um, in terms of stacking might and do a lot more damage. But it's dependent upon having that fire field. So the... Potential party synergies. Like, this is the part that really gets my brain going. This is why I love raids, right? It's like, thinking about this problem we have. We need to get 25 might. We need quickness. We need this and this. We need these buffs. Um, and then figuring out how to do that with the classes and the builds that we have. That That is the fun part of raids for me. Because yeah. I'm a giant nerd. I mean, that's a lot of uh, what the appeal of Guild Wars 1 was for a lot of people, right? was like, yeah. how can I combine these crazy things in a team synergy? And, you know, uh, outside of raids, Guild Wars 2 doesn't have a lot of team synergy that is at least required or reliably accessible enough because you're, you know, sort mm -hmm. of soloing or zerging, but in a <clears throat> zerging, but in an uncoordinated group. So team builds don't really exist. Uh, but yeah, raids definitely give that outlet that a lot of Guild Wars 1 players really liked in, in that game. Uh, did you see that there were Necro Axe buffs? Because I'm sure you would enjoy those. Uh, I did. You wanna? Can you remind me what they are, though? I kind of have forgotten already. <laughs> uh, I I forget. There was two. It was it was two skills. One I remember, and one I'm like kind of foggy on. I think one. Uh, it was like it applies more vulnerability or something. But the other one was that it does one percent more damage per stack of vulnerability on the target. So on attack, uh, at and words a target with 25 stacks of vulnerability right you would get the 25 percent damage increase from the 25 stacks and then that particular skill would get an additional 25 percent damage increase yeah which Let's is cool see. just looking it up on the wiki here it didn't uh it didn't propel power reaper or anything to 
raid viable status, but, you know, for the people who are running it anyway because they liked Axe, it's a lovely buff for you guys. Yeah, I mean, I use Axe in open world just because um, when I'm running power because it's, you know, um, does it does okay damage and it's, it's ranged, right? So, mm-hmm. um, plus I have Astralaria, so that makes me want to work an Axe into any build that can use it. Sure. So, yeah, uh, th- that's that's exciting. I know that it's uh, yes, I know that the axe is still much maligned. Uh, hopefully, it is less so now. But I I want to go back to you know what we were talking about right before that though that every class finally has a um, has both a power and condition build because that's something that I think uh, at least for myself and definitely I know some people were really expecting that more uh at you know at the very beginning of the game because they sort of talked about different kinds of specs and it seemed mm-hmm. like it always seemed sort of weird to even bother putting condition weapons on classes if they couldn't actually make use of it you know uh yeah like, like why have why have auto attacks that add bleed if they're so slow and you know you don't have any other things to combo with it that like what you know why bother because it's not you're not gonna make a bleeding build out of this right and so Mm -hmm. i think it's really i think it's really cool that they finally sort of delivered on that and found and found ways to you know create multiple kinds of builds because i know that conditions or you know uh, lack of conditions you know hitting something in the face or shooting it with a bow and arrow like they they appeal to people in very different ways and you know it's it's always good to it's always good to be able to find more ways in which if you're looking for a style, you can also like you have more class options if you want to put it that way. Um, you know, or if you like a certain class, but don't like the power, but you know, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's just good. It's, that's really, that's good. It's exciting. And I, I hope that guardian does get a Condi build, even though I was, you know, being facetious about it. Yeah. I was surprised, uh, I think one of the things that, like, there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of things to talk about there, and I don't want to bunny trail too hard, but I was surprised the other day when I was talking to someone who was gearing up for raids, and they were saying, oh, I've got a Viper set now, and I'm trying to, you know, figure out what to work on next. And I said, you know what? I think the most uh, mileage I've gotten out of a Heart of Thorns stat besides Vipers is Minstrels, and that kind of blew my mind, right? Like, the toughness vitality healing power boon duration set set that does no damage in pve i've gotten a ton of mileage out of that since raids since t4 fractals since heart of thorns in general i think that's so cool like the the tools for tanky and healing builds have been in the game since the beginning but the problem there was was no content that demanded it and yeah yeah the it wasn't a solution to anything and now that there is i'm really happy to be playing those builds and it's a lot of fun yeah i would agree with that i think that the meta for a very long time was incredibly stale with just being purely dps because you know a combination of not having enough boons that were worth uh you know well i mean there wasn't even a boon duration stat in the first place so the fact that that's been added to or at least not um there there wasn't one that was on gear you know there were the yep. trait lines that gave it to you but uh the the fact that you even can trait that now and the inclusion of of more boon sharing or um more powerful boons has has really brought those types of things into a forefront where you can design content around them uh whereas before they just they just weren't you know they so you just you just took longer to do the same thing there was no there was no real purpose in in doing that kind of thing so uh yeah it's uh, I guess it's. I would say it's not surprising knowing what we know about how things work in Heart of Thorns, but it, it's massively surprising uh, if you or it would have been massively surprising to have said that before Heart of Thorns came out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. I would have never guessed if you told me before Heart of Thorns that I was gonna have like three or four fully tank geared characters. I would have just laughed at you. <laughs> like, no way. At least for not worldy world. Yeah. Even in World v. World, I used to play. I mean, maybe I didn't play World v. World though well back in the day. But I, when it when it was trendy, so this was a long time ago when this was trendy. But I played uh, Berserker Staff Ellie in the back line, and that was like within six months of launch. Yeah, 
Uh, well, I used to play a, a tanky necro build that had a lot of CC for World v. World. Um, oh just, yeah, I'm not saying like there weren't ones. I'm just saying that I, I didn't partake in that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so anyway, uh, that's all good. Uh, was there more you wanted to talk about on the balance patch? Or... Hmm. Oh, Epidemic got changed. I think for the better. It uh, is clearly was clearly a problem in World v. World uh, where <laughs> yeah. it was unblockable, hit five targets in a 600 range around something. Um, and they melted. You couldn't really... Yeah, and Condies are... Like we, I mean, basically, like we said, uh, have become more viable in all areas of the game, and so they're a lot more prevalent in World v. World now than they used to be. Yeah, and you could ascend, you could blow people up by epping off a boss or something that lived longer than a few seconds, right? So it needed to be changed. I think the fear for us in PVE, and I guess the people who liked in World v. World, you know, anyone who liked Epi was that it was going to get nerfed into Oblivion because. It was too good in a game mode that we didn't play. It was going to be or whatever. Isaiah's balance. Sure. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Um, and what they did instead, I think, was uh, much more tasteful, where they changed the functionality of the skill. So it essentially does the same thing, but it does it in a different way. So instead of just an aura pulsing out that hits five targets, it throws five orbs like slow moving projectiles they're unblockable so it can't be reflected or anything but because they arc because they move kind of slow there's a chance to dodge them um if you have resistance you're not an eligible target for an epi so there's that way of countering it that's been out for a while but you know it's part of the change and um oh right so it doesn't actually apply the conditions that are on the target when you hit epi it applies the conditions that are on the target when the epi lands so you can you can also counter it by cleansing yourself if you're the target of the epi mm, right um or if the target dies then you whiff it just happens that way um it's been oh it also got a range buff so it goes up to 900 as well which is kind of interesting for for pve the applications of that um it Functions in PvE much the same as it used to, uh, with the caveat that it does the dumb things that projectiles do. So if you use it and there's like a wall around, sometimes you can see an epi orb just going out and hanging out with the wall, which yeah. is disappointing to everyone. But largely, I mean, it's still it's still used to roughly the same effect in in PvE that it used to be. So I think we navigated that change just fine. Um, if you're bouncing epis, the timing for it is a little bit different. You kind of cast it at the same time now instead of one person does it and then the next person does it, which I think is cool. Like, I like that. I really like when those class synergies are, I guess it's not class synergies, but when there's those opportunities for people to, for team play. It doesn't have to be different classes. I just love when you can coordinate skills to work together like that. And epi bouncing was... I was afraid we were going to lose that, because I thought that was a really cool part of playing a Necromancer, but we got to keep it, and that makes me really happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think those are all perfectly reasonable changes, you know? It's, uh... I've, I have long been somebody that... I've, I love the flavor of Epi, and I know that it's a very powerful skill, but it's always been sort of a problem child for design, just because mm -hmm. it's it is so powerful, and, you know that is if the game tries to be balanced that will have ramifications somewhere right it'll mean that either other things are going to be too weak um because they need to compensate for the fact that they can just assume that you will have epi or it won't be balanced you know or uh, whatever any any myriad of sort of outcomes but uh, i think adding counterplay is always useful so yeah a solid change I think that's it. The only other thing I had in the show notes is that, I mean, I don't really have much to say about it other than people are just kind of speculating that uh, balance changes are now being made in mind with the expansion in mind, which is kind of cool to think about, but there's not really anything concrete to say about it. And I don't want to take time away from World of the World because I have so much to say about World of the World. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if that's kind of your, like, hype thing, you want to have a think about that, you know, I would say it's pretty reasonable that we're zero to one balance patches away from an expansion if the if episode six is out you know in the next two months we figure we probably get an expansion announcement in the next in then the next four months so two months after that within the next two months after the next episode 
Uh, yeah, I would say that's pretty reasonable that there's probably maybe one one balance patch left or none even if we're that lucky. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, lucky in terms of time. I mean, obviously, yeah, <laughs> as many balance patches as are needed is what we would want. But yeah, uh, yeah, optimistically speaking, it's not too far away. So, alrighty, well, then are you ready to move on to the main event, so to speak? Oh God, I, I am, but I'm not. There's so much to talk about. I'm gonna forget so many things. Uh, sure. I mean, so the the headline, right, is that there's there's been a big world v world revamping where they are sort of changing the reward structure um there's a new legendary back piece that you can now get uh there's uh, a new heck yeah ascended armor there's new rewards the scoring system for these reward tracks is new and similar to pvp uh i mean yeah there's there's a a lot there's, to unpack yeah exactly um so the I guess the biggest news is the legendary backpack, right? Um, people have been asking for that for a very long time, and there is now one. It is on fire. It has spikes. It reminds me, not not in appearance, but in spirit of the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones. It's like a char Iron Throne. Yeah, it's got like spears and banners, and it's freaking dope, man. And I it. Some people are saying it looks hideous, and I'm like, yes, I love it. It and is so, hide- yeah, it is everything I wanted from a hideous, uh, yeah. Yep. So I I am definitely in for this one. I'm going to be making it. Um, I I was really excited for this patch because I have always liked World v World. I like I liked the idea of World v World, but when it came to Sitting down at my computer going, okay, I've got a little bit of time to play Guild Wars. What am I going to do with my time? World v. World was never the first option because I had tons of other stuff. I needed, you know, I needed gear for PvE or I wanted to finish this collection. Couldn't do it in World v. World. Uh, you know, people weren't playing at my time zone, whatever. Um, this patch changed that to now I have stuff that I want in World v. World. So I'm going to make time to spend in World v. World. Um, it didn't change the foundation of the game. If you you know if you played World v World before and you didn't like it, you're probably not going to like it anymore now that it has more stuff. But if you did, and you just wanted an excuse to play it more, you definitely have one now just because of the sheer amount of stuff. Um, one of my favorite things. So I've been playing uh, for a couple hours this morning to like try and be able to talk about stuff on the show when I knew what I was talking about and not just like out my butt. Um, I got about six transmutation charges already, and I was so excited because I don't PvP, and that's whenever people are like, "How do you get transmutation charges?" People are like, "Oh, I got a PvE. I got a thousand of them." I'm like, I don't, I don't PvE. I don't want to. You mean PvP? You switched to saying PvE. Yeah, that's the one I meant. Thank you. <laughs> this is why you're here to make sure that I don't uh, put my foot in my mouth constantly, or at least uh, let you know that you did it so that. You know, you can correct it immediately. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't PvP. You can get them in PvE. It's a little bit more tedious because they tend to come from things like either rare, rarer rewards or map completion, which is You fine. can only do so many times, let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly where I'm at with that. So having them easily accessible was really cool. So I got the... Uh, let me back up, right? So Hold in World v. World phone. now, yeah, let me explain where all this stuff is coming. If you haven't played World v. World before, or if you haven't played for a long time, uh, there is a new way in which World v. New-ish. It's been out for a long time, but there haven't been the proper rewards associated with it yet. So one of the things that happens is if you're participating in World v. World, which means like capturing objectives, killing things, there's a number of ways to get participation. I'm not going to go into that right now. But if you're participating in World v. World, you get credit towards reward tracks. So over time, the longer you're in World v. World, you will get rewards from the reward tracks. On top of that, they have now added um, skirmish rewards. So every two hours, or for, for a period of two hours, the three worlds compete against each other for who has the most points. At the end of that matchup whoever has the most points gets a number of points towards their weekly score so in the middle of that skirmish 
if you're participating, you will get uh, pips, which are like, it's like a reward track on top of a reward track, basically. But the pips are for the new rewards. And you get increasing, the more skirmishes you participate in in a week, the better rewards you will get from those. So you can kind of build those up over the week by playing in short periods as opposed to reward tracks which just go at a constant pace no matter how much you've been you've been playing. Uh, the pips also go faster depending on various factors including whether your world is winning. Um, if you're a commander you get an extra one. If you're outnumbered and you're disadvantaged you get an extra one to encourage you to stay in the fight. If you've been on your world for three weeks or longer and you've been participating in World by World you can get an extra one. So there's a lot of different options for boosting that sort of overall reward gain. And the reason you want to do this is because you get a bunch of rewards along the way, like the transmutation stones. Um, some of the other things you can pick out of those chests are dyes, extra badges of honor. Um, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of world v world centric stuff. There are guild decorations out of world v world now that are, I think, just siege. I would like to see some more, like the dragon banners and the centaur banners and things like that. But that's cool that we got what we did. I hope there's more than that, though. And, you know, if they ever need any ideas for the future of things that they could add to those, more guild decorations, always appreciated. Uh, and then the long-term sort of goal, the reason you're doing this is for the legendary backpack and for ascended gear that you can now get through world v world that has its own unique skin and there's one free armor weight so if you have a pension for the fashion wars that is also a thing you can do i am super hyped because there is a non-trench coat medium set piece so i'm going straight for that and then there's a bunch of other pieces that just look really good when they're mixed and matched with other stuff it's very uh uh how would you say like restrained but ornate that kind of like refined but not uh simple i'll go with that yeah i, I don't uh i'm not sure that i have the word for you i'll go with refined but not simple i can i can dig that sure and then if you want to go all the way to the top you're like oh my god i love world of world i just want to show off how much i love it you can even get a tier of armor above that that has uh it's the same sort of look but it has glowy bits on it so uh you can have the world we will look in spirit and then be like extra cool sure so these so yeah so it's just uh sort of yeah I, I like i like that idea right like there's it's all the same rarity aside from the legendary obviously but um mm -hmm. but you know progressive levels of dedication and badassery yeah Solid. Uh, one other one other really cool thing about it is that you can oh so the um they implemented that system a while ago for fractals and pvp where you have to craft these grandmaster marks it's essentially like crafting uh ascended gear except you can do it at a reduced cost by spending the currency of your choice right so it's the same way for world v world it uses that same system for the lower tier stuff but once you get to the higher tier stuff you don't have to craft it it's just from world currency so if you're and i mean this is fairly high this is for the people who are well invested into world v world or you know prepared to do it for a very long time you have to be world rank 1500 or higher to get that very top tier stuff um which i would say is reasonably achievable over a period of a few months but I I don't know exactly because I've been playing for a long time. I'm at 600, but I generally play for like I don't know a week every couple months, every four or five months. So I should yeah I should boot it if, up and see see what I'm at. Yeah, if if you decided to dedicate the time to it, it would be achievable. But it's it's a long term goal, and that's one thing I think. So with all of this stuff, with all of the hype around it, a lot of people have come to Worldview World who haven't in a long time. Uh, and that's fine, but if you are one of those people, just make sure to temper your expectations because it's a it's a long term rewards added to a long form game type. So don't expect to just be like showered with stuff, right? The fact right. that that Worldly Worlds got ascended gear doesn't mean you're going to get a whole set for free just by turning up and hitting things, right? That, like it's uh, a unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. I guess that's all I have to say about it. Long-term long rewards for a long-form game type. 
if that's your jam, then cool. If it's not, then, you know, this this update might not apply to you as much. I, you know, I wouldn't say that either because it, it does make the, the short-term gameplay much more rewarding. And this was, this was something we were talking about before the show. We were, we were talking about our history with World v. World where we always liked it, but there wasn't enough things to keep us interested, both having the long-term goal, the why am I here of World v. World, and what am I getting out of this is like the the short term. What can I do to get to my long term? Keep it enjoyment. And they hit they hit it really well on all fronts. Um, making sure that the the gameplay and the you know the middle the mid part of getting to your goal is entertaining and rewarding, and then your end goal is awesome enough to motivate you to do the grind up. Yeah, because and and you said this sort of before the show also, but I think it really hit home for me. It's it's like if you only have so much time in the day and you only have so much time, you know, further, you only have so much time to play Guild Wars. And Mm -hmm. when you're carving out time for Guild Wars, you know, when there are so many things that you do want to be making progress on, it it was, you know, for a lot of people that, for the people that weren't diehard World v. World fans, it was a lot harder to justify, you know, if I've only got an hour to play, do I want to play an hour of world v world or do I want to and and make, you know, effectively no progress on whatever my goals are or do I want to make progress on my goals? And so it was really hard to make that commitment and uh you know, again, unless you really love the game mode and and I'm always I'm always one to say like you should be playing a game mode because it's fun, not just for rewards, but in the case of you know, this game, I play this game because it's fun. And so, you know, but if one game mode is very unrewarding and the other is, you know, is rewarding, there, you know, then you have to start making choices on which which of those things you value more. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I, I think I think they've struck a good struck a good balance here. Um, you know, it's it's yeah, it, it sounds good. Anyway, um, did you? Uh, what do you want to talk about next? I don't know. <laughs> I just I said a lot of words, and I think I'm. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's it's. Hmm. Uh, for the record, I am a weak sauce bronze invader at level one sixty four. Okay, I'm a silver invader. Oh, so that's. I don't know. I have a lot of stuff I want to talk about in World v. World just for the people who haven't played in a long time. Yeah. Uh, for the people who are unfamiliar, so I guess we can talk about that, right? So World v. World rank. Um. I am a silver invader, by the way. Level uh, 650-odd, whatever I ended up at after I was playing today. So, World v. World rank doesn't affect a ton of stuff, but it has a lot of effect. That didn't make any sense. So, because World v. World is very impersonal, you don't see enemy players' names. They don't see your names. They see your rank right so your rank is how you advertise to an enemy player uh sort of how dangerous you are right if you're a low rank you can make yourself a target um if you're a high rank you can kind of ward people off i've definitely noticed that the higher i've climbed the more people avoid me when i'm running around rather than go after me um but it's also how you choose your targets as well, right? If you see someone who's a rank that's lower than you, you're going to go after them because you're like, oh, yeah, they're not world very, very much. I can probably kill them. Stuff like that. So I guess my advice would be if you're coming into world v. world fresh, try and stick with the crowd until you get to be a little bit of a higher level because once once you have that experience, once you understand how world v. world works better, you will be better off. But also... uh you won't be as much of a target because people can see your rank. Uh, yeah. World v. World rank also affects your World v. World... What are they even called? Abilities. Okay, so th- this is like mastery ranks before mastery was a thing, right? You leveled up in World v. World, you got specific world XP, and you could spend those points from leveling up in World v. World on... What are it's literally called burning oil mastery. This is totally masteries before masteries. Anyway, there's a bunch of different trait lines you can choose from that increase your effectiveness at different things. None of them are game breaking. You having 
the masteries isn't going to change much of your world be world experience. It certainly does make you more effective at certain things, so you want to try and prioritize the ones that you are actually going to use. So if you're not going to drive a siege golem, don't put your points in siege mastery. Um, if you're not going to use a trebuchet, don't put your points in that. So just kind of think about where you want those points to be. But don't freak out if you don't have them. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. No, absolutely not. Um, I would recommend if you if you just have a few points to start with, the first line I would go with... Oops, I just closed. What was it called? Yeah, so the first line I would go with is Supply Master, and I would go up to rank 4 in that. Because it... Everyone uses Supply all the time in Worldly World. It's the most bang for your buck in terms of it's really cheap to trade into and you get a lot of benefits that are useful to you when you start in worldly world like when you pick up you move pick up supply you move faster so you can get back with your group after you kind of like freak out and you're like oh crap i forgot supply and then just like run over to them uh when you spend it you have a chance to get it back so you can only carry a finite amount of supply uh, you don't have enough points to increase your supply capacity, which is a route you can also go, but you can get more supply out of the supply you already have, if that makes sense. And it's super cheap. You only need 10 points to get to rank 4 in that. I wouldn't go to rank 5 because that is primarily used for commanders. So one of the things about World World is you shouldn't put down your own siege weaponry because each of the siege weaponries has a purpose and a time to use them. And until you know those, and even to some extent when you do know those, you should let your commander do it because they get bonuses for putting down the siege. They are going to set the tactics that you're using. So they're going to decide whether to use flame, flame rams or catapults or whatever. Um, and because everyone in the group has a finite number of supply you don't want to put down something that's not going to get used so people build it by mistake because that's a waste of your supply so if you have extra siege and you want to contribute it to the group the best thing you can do is send it to the commander and they'll use it whenever they use it um it you know it, it takes a little bit of the burden off their wallet as well if they get help from the group in stacking up their supply or not supply siege siege blueprints I will say that as somebody representing Yaxbend, sometimes I have to disagree oh, no. with this advice because a I rogue forgot. trebuchet. <laughs> uh, no, I, I feel like the that advice is a little bit more tailored to if you are running with groups. I mean, obviously, if you put down something, it uses siege from a fort, but or a, a supply from a fort. But uh, you know, uh, at least you're not screwing up your group's tactics if you just drop something out in the middle of nowhere and uh, you know surprise catapult a wall. I'm just saying, look. Yaxbend has trebuchets that shoot arrow carts, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a different culture we have. We are the siege masters, which is to say, uh, you know, who needs commanders when we have uh, an entire battalion of siege lords. <laughs> also, I, I guarantee, like, I'll tell you, pretty much all of my World v. World upgrades are in after supply mastery uh, siege things, so uh no but in general yeah you should definitely be if you're if you're running around with a group and you know with a commander and such you should definitely be sort of prioritizing what they're doing because they are the leader of your group and you know yeah you just uh that's what they're there for they're the ones that are spending the time and you know resources and effort to get this stuff going and knowing what to do and knowing what they're doing and yeah so yeah um I guess on that note, I would say that Worldview World is an, an inherently unfair game mode. Yes. And you are doing everything you can to try and tip the game in your favor, right? So that includes things like like following and listening to your commander really closely, like good team play will tip it in your, in your favor, wearing the right build, um, typically a tanky build. There's not... Uh, so I, I just went through this whole thing, right? Because I was getting ready to come back in a world real world last week after they announced this and i was looking up the builds and things for world real world and there was not a single consensus on what type of gear guardians should wear uh which drove me nuts because 
all professions have a role in World by World, but all professions do not have the same role in World by World. Guardians are the backbone of a large group fight, and so I wanted to try that role out. Everyone has a different opinion on how to do it, and it drove me nuts because I I come from from raids, right? And there there is that flexibility in teams, but generally there's a consensus of like these are the best way to build these things and there's not that going into world v world so if you are looking for that i'm going to tell you right now you're not going to find it that's going to drive you a little bit crazy but i did find some guidelines uh that might help you when you're picking out gear and that's to try and have twenty thousand or more health so you'll probably want a little bit of vitality on your gear um and you'll definitely want enough toughness that your armor not your toughness is over three thousand uh, was the was the general consensus and then within that you have a great deal of flexibility if you're running with a group over and over like if you're running with the same guild they probably have a specific build that they want you to run but if you're just looking for something in general you can kind of use those guidelines to build off it. and then the other stats you know think about what you're actually doing are you a guardian that's running a lot of healing power do you need more survivability put more tanky gear on do you are you keeping yourself alive fine you can go for a little bit more power and precision and ferocity. It just depends on what you're doing. And yeah, if you're looking for a, an ultimate world v world guide, there is none. I'm sorry. I tried really hard to find one. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Also on that note, bring some food with you that's appropriate to your build because it's, you know, it's just, it all comes back to trying to tip the, tip the fights into your favor, but also you can, you know, if you run the right food, you can get, like, extra karma and experience and stuff, and you didn't hear from me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I feel like, in many ways, World v. World was sort of, like, the... There were so many things that were not useful or important in PvE that were important in World v. World all along. Mm. You know, like, um, just talking about toughness and armor, right? Obviously, those... Uh, or toughness, armor, hit points, uh, all of those things are important now in raids, uh, but the vast majority of PvE, it does not matter, and so you are crazy to be running anything other than Zerker, or, you know, some condition equivalent, but in World v. World, like, toughness matters. Like, some people run glass cannon, but, like, you do not have two full Zergs of glass cannons, because, like, those, uh, those stats actually do matter in PvP. Um, and... Yeah, and I mean, you know, and other things too, like you were talking about with Masteries, right? Like, World v. World was very much the test re- the test bed for Masteries. Um, yeah, it's 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 been sort of an interesting experimental game space, I guess, which is probably possibly, like, why there aren't any huge World v. World optimal guides, because the meta is sort of always evolving, and there's... Mm-hmm because sort of everything matters and because it's as you said it's inherently unfair right like you you are not in regular pvp where it's you know xvx it is xvyvz right you have different numbers Mm -hmm. of people on each side and they may not all have the same tier of gear and they definitely do not all have the same amount of world mastery points and like you know an entire server might have much deeper pockets i mean they like as you said isn't it is asymmetrical and it is in not a fair game mode from the outset and so it's kind of impossible to write a guide for something like that because you know mm-hmm. who knows i mean it's yeah yeah it's you just kind of have to get in there and do it like there's there's definitely guides and, and tips for things not to do right or things just like general yeah. behavior things to do which is sort of what we're talking about but there is no like you said there is no all-encompassing guide that that says it all you know stand here, do this, you know, wear this, use this build. Yep. Yep, yep. Um that I would I will say though, that is why I love World We World over PvE or PvP is because there is that kind of flexibility. There's the there's the sort of team play aspect where my contribution to it matters, but I'm one in forty instead of one in five, and so my contribution matters less. Uh, and so it's less, um... There's less pressure. Yeah, there's less pressure on me. I can have fun in World v. World, and I just don't have fun in PvP. I do from time to time, very rarely. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not something I want to spend a lot of time doing, because I feel an obligation to play really well to be good for my team. And in World v. World, I... 
feel the obligation to learn about worldly world and do things correctly but i don't beat myself up when i die or anything i go oh well i'll fix that next time and or like uh well 20 people died like you know some someone had to be them right like people are yeah, gonna die right yeah yeah um it's just gonna happen and that's fine and it's not um you know that <laughs> one of the big things is i i still have conflicting feeling on on this but the, your enemies can't ever badmouth you because they don't know who you are. Okay, I should take that back. There is a very specific way that somebody can get your username in World v. World and whisper you, but it's a lot rarer, right? You can't pick someone out of a Zerg and go, that guy's an idiot, and blah, 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 blah. It's really hard to get that. If you're doing like kind of a one-on-one -on -one situation, there is a way people can get your name. But most of the time, it's just going to be you versus a thousand enemy faces and it's it's not personal at all which is great i like that i like that i get kind of sad when i can't be like oh there's that guy that always wrecks me that's why um i don't know if you've ever noticed hanging around lion's arch or whatever but there's a certain type of person uh who you can easily identify plays world v world it's a guardian char that has the super saiyan hair Oh got, yeah, that uh, guy. A, a back piece, <laughs> the back piece with the toucan in it, the rucksack, the Zephyrite rucksack. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've seen him or his eight hundred thousand clones, because that's how people stand out in Worldly World. You make your character look unique so that people can recognize when you <laughs> run their butts over, because they don't see your name. Right. Yeah. That's uh. <laughs> uh. Gosh. Yeah, that's that's like the Guild Wars two equivalent of the rainbow wyvern armor from Guild Wars one. Uh, I was gonna say the monk with the voltaic spear and the chaos shield and the bandana. Well, that's like that's the that's the bling equivalent as opposed to oh, the, the rainbow wyvern armor was the most ghastly, hideous looking combination that stood out like the sorest of thumbs. <laughs> you know what I mean, like. I, don't know. I have an idea. I have, I had a key farmer for a long time who was modeled after a child's crayon box, and I imagine it's much on the same level. Yeah, plus Wyvern armor was really ugly, so. Oh, man. Good times. Uh, was there anything else you want to talk about with this World v. World patch? Oh, excuse me. No, sort of. Hmm. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to cover with the World v. World changes? Um. I'm not sure. I think I think I covered everything. It, I mean, it, there's there wasn't a ton of changes, right? It was just uh, the addition of rewards to support systems that have been in the game for a very long time. And the actual changes are going to be to player behavior over the long term. So it's tough to comment on how we think it's going to impact the game today. Oh, did we did did we cover the um uh like server loyalty changes? For pips? Uh, no, I don't think so. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, well, no, I, I mean, you, you can just leave the discussion, because I, I don't remember the exact numbers. I mean, the, the gist of it being that uh, they want to encourage you to stick with your own server instead of being a fair-weather server player, so you don't get rewards, uh, or you don't, you don't get pips, or you get fewer immediately after you uh, switch, and for a while afterwards, and then you, um, you know, you get increasingly more uh for the first or you know after uh capping off after a couple weeks i guess is what i should say um but the idea being that they want you to stay you know um stay with the server and not just you know instantly flip-flop around to whatever you think the the winning uh meta server is i guess and then there was there's was some other change sort of similar to that that i'm kind of forgetting i think we, we were talking about it in pre-show so I, i'm sort of uh mixing a few things up um well it goes both ways so there's the there's the benefit for being on the world for a long time and a slight punishment for leaving as well yeah so if you change world you are not eligible to receive the skirmish pips for one full matchup so it can be between one to two weeks depending on when you move um but no longer than two weeks and you will still get like drops and uh, 
the other thing? Oh, reward tracks. So you, you still get consistent progress, but you don't get all of the shinies for a week after you move servers. So hopefully that'll keep... Um, the two of those combined will keep people on the uh, on a server rather than Fairweather bandwagoning around whenever they feel like it, um, which is a major is a major problem in World World because they set up, especially it's been a big critique since servers have been paired because things, uh, you know, they they pair the servers at the beginning with a a balance in mind. Um, people see that a server is perceived to be stacked or not stacked, and so they move to either the server uh, that has a lot of people on it or away from the server that doesn't have a lot of people on it as they perceive it to be, because we don't know the exact numbers, we we can only guess, and it, it just depends on what it feels like to the people in the world. Um, and by a couple weeks in, all the matchups are pretty unbalanced and they're stuck that way for another month and a half. So hopefully more stable, I think more stable server populations is good for everyone. And I hope they, they keep it this way. Actually, that's one thing. Do, how, did we talk about that? Or was that pre-show where we were talking about how they had to be careful about balancing the rewards? Um, uh, I think that was pre-show. Yeah. Where okay. like, um, well, no, hmm. Well, in case in case we didn't, uh, one of the things I have to commend about the the way they've set up this reward system is, if you are winning, you get more rewards. If you are trying, you get more rewards. And so there's a nice balance struck between um, getting more for winning because it's a competitive it's a competitive game mode. They need to encourage people to win, but at the same time. Uh, because, like like we've been saying, because it's an unfair game mode, if the rewards are unfairly b slanted towards people who are winning, there's a lot of people not getting them, and there's also not a ton of control you have over whether you are winning or not, because you're just one of many. Right. So I think, you know, my current perception of it right now is they have done a good job of balancing that you get rewards for winning and you get rewards for trying. And... They're just slightly skewed enough towards winning that I think people will be motivated to try and win a little bit more than they have in the past. Um, stable servers are going to help that a lot, and I hope it all works out. It, it's never, like I said, it's going to be a few weeks of this before we understand how the player base is going to react to this system, um, before we understand it very well, but it looks really good on paper and I hope it works out for them because it seems like they, they've done a really good job of accounting for all of these various factors. Yeah. 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 It's reward balance is really tricky, especially like you said, in a game that you don't have that much control over. Um, Cause they don't want to, if they make the rewards for winning too good, then it's just going to encourage people to uh, server swap, right. And, and be fair weather. But, mm -hmm. you know, like there is a penalty for that, but you, you don't you don't want to make it too harsh either because people switch servers for a variety of reasons. And, you know, yeah, it's that's a very tough, tough balance to strike, I guess I'll say. Um, I actually part of part of my confusion or I, yeah, I guess confusion was just that uh, I was also discussing balance changes earlier today uh, with regard to rewards and penalization for switching things uh, in overwatch and so it's not really related to this discussion other than the fact that it was about um you know encouraging swapping or not and so i, I was just like wait did wait did we talk about that wait what i'm trying to remember exactly which balance conversation we're talking about that's not okay yeah so uh you know there you go heads in <laughs> head is uh confused sometimes mm -hmm. like like you do uh, but yeah i i think they've struck a good balance and it's a tricky thing to get right but it looks like they're they've done a good job of setting their priorities right and having it while not being too 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 punishing or too rewarding i guess like mm -hmm. you will want to win but you won't be crushed if you don't win like yeah 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 i really hope uh like in future episodes i'll have more to talk about and we'll be well i'll be really excited if if they can if this shift 
gets uh, me into playing World v. World more. If I could accurately comment on patch balance notes with World v. World in mind as well, I would count that as a victory <laughs> if I get to that point. Yeah, that's, that's my, my longer term goal above. There's there's Ascended Armor, and then there's Legendary Backpack, and then there's, like, can speak authoritatively about patch notes. That's the that's the top-tier World v. World endgame. Yeah. Speak speak about it and not be a not sound like a total loon or <laughs> moron. Yep. Yeah. Yes, I have long since lost the uh, authority on on World v. World balance patches. That's uh, that that has left my wheelhouse. And PvP was never <laughs> PvP was never in my wheelhouse. So. Nope. Nope. Me either. Yeah. We're we are PvE Care Bears. Not really, but. You're a hardcore raider. I'm a PvE Care Bear now. Is raiding Care Bear a thing? I feel like I could fit under that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure somebody would say it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it. Okay. I've been ejected from Care Bear Society. I don't know what that makes me now, but I am one of them, apparently. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we're sort of just wandering now. We don't actually... I don't, I don't actually think we have a real <laughs> topic or uh, thing to talk about anymore. Oh, there is one more piece of news that I... I mean, a small piece of news, if you want to talk about it. There is a new narrative designer coming to ArenaNet. Yeah, that's really interesting. Formerly of Wizards of the Coast. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but um, Yi Chow, uh, I think is the name. That's uh, my best guess, too. Yeah, um, which is uh, interesting. I, It's sort of... I guess I would sort of expect that to be something that they would have hired for a while ago just given the expansion you know coming out soon it's probably too late for expansion story um whatever's if that <laughs> very very articulate here um yeah but you know the it probably is going to have to do with a future uh, living story possibly some stuff with expansion depending on the state that they're in um you know um yeah it's just interesting timing i guess is is the most and i also it sort of makes me wonder if if somebody left you know uh, arena net or if they're just uh, filling out more for the sake of uh future development you know who knows um but it's I'm not too often almost certain sorry oh, i'm almost certain that leah hoyer i think who was the previous yeah uh she left in february to join oh, okay. Telltale. Okay. So well, that makes we sense. just haven't heard much from her for a long time. But yeah, there's a there's a new narrative director coming in. Yeah, and we don't tend to. I guess part of the reason it feels sort of more like news is we don't tend to hear when people are hired. You know, we ha we we hear when people that we know have left. You know, e.g. Colin Johansson or you know any other any other big wig names. But mm -hmm. we, you know, it, it's pretty rare that they. The, the, or it's pretty rare that anybody talks about it. You know, I, I know that definitely people, you know, that have Twitter profiles or whatever will, you know, will say that they're joining ArenaNet or, or whatever, but usually other people don't talk about it too much, I guess. So, yeah, bit of bit of interesting news, but yeah. Oh, did I uh, look back through the notes? Did you mention the thing about Obsidian Sanctum rather than AFKing in map? I did not. Um, if you have finished your World v. World for the day and you are ready to go, one thing you can do to not be a jerk and take up a map spot is you can move your character to Obsidian Sanctum. Um, your participation that you rack up over time goes for longer than you are in World v. World. So you have you have time to, th to do things like take a break, change a character... Um, change maps you keep your participation for a time uh, as long as you keep refreshing it but when you're done for the night you can still get a little bit more out of it before logging off so a lot of times when I'm done with Roby World for the night I'll go park my character and go brush my teeth or you know start getting ready for bed and then come and log myself off afterwards to get the last out of those rewards while you're doing that if you go to Obsidian Sanctum which is the bottom map choice. It's the jumping puzzle, the, like the World v. World cross-map jumping puzzle. You can AFK there and do that without causing problems for anybody else who wants to get on the other maps. It won't show 
it won't show your progress in there. So don't freak out. You still are going to get credit for it, but it doesn't actually show your participation. So you do just have to wait for it to tick out. You can't actually watch the timer. But uh, yeah, definitely do that if you want to be respectful of other people who are trying to get into the maps because the map cues are crazy pants today. They um, currently I'm looking at 50 people for Eternal Battlegrounds and our own Borderlands and a 10 to 15 person queue on the other Borderlands, which is down from earlier tonight when it was about 50 on each. So yeah, get out of the way if you're going to AFK. I mean, if you got to go to the bathroom or whatever, just, you know, just leave your character. Don't queue for 50 people to get back into the map so you can eat dinner. But, you know, if you're done make way for other people yeah yeah do people still fight in obsidian sanctum i don't know i know so obsidian sanctum has a gvg arena which is basically gvg in guild wars 2 is a player driven game type where i think it's 15 like 15 like a middle-sized group gets together and they fight against each other and because it is a player driven game type their criteria for it is an open field. And so this was happening in World v. World, um, out in the middle of nowhere, causing queues on maps and problems when people wanted to GVG and they couldn't get people on the map or whatever. So they made the arena in World v. World and that still gets used quite a bit as far as I know. But as, in, as far as people killing each other in the jumping puzzle, it's been... I can't remember the last time I saw an enemy player in there, but I also go once a year maybe for collections and various things so i don't think so um if you do here's another world v world pro tip and etiquette thing if you go to world v world and you don't want to fight someone take a tonic and turn into that tonic it's not you know there are still jerks who can run you over you're still hostile but it's a generally accepted thing that if you're in a tonic form in world v world you'll be left alone so if you want to go do that, you're afraid of running into other people, try that. You might have good luck. Yeah, these pro tips. Yeah, I'm full of them. That, man, there is so much to talk about with World v. World. Like, there is just so much. It is, it's a, it is a whole game mode. It would be like, hey, Spirit, can you tell me how to fractals and raids and also do all the world bosses? I'd be like, yeah, if you got three days. But, like, can you? I mean... Possibly. <laughs> I've got. I've started to get a reputation in relics for being an actual wiki. People ask me instead of wiki things. Just kind of. I don't know how I feel about that. Like I'm flattered on one hand, and I'm like, damn, I know so many I've played, things. I played this game so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, part of that too is that, like, as as excellent as the wiki may be, uh, sometimes you don't actually know what to ask, you know. And so, being able to ask a person like, "What is that thing?" You know, the Wajima thinger in, you know, the place. And it's like, oh, yeah, uh, you're probably talking about the, you know, I don't know, world boss or, you know, whatever. So I suppose that's natural to some extent. But yes, you do. You do know much about this game. Okay, I think I have exhausted all of the topics that I had and then the ones that we thought of after the topics that we had. Yeah, I think that pretty much gets us. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, do we have a cast cast this week? Uh, I mean, I can make one up. Uh, the cast cast is that you're playing Dark Souls? <laughs> oh, sure. Hello, and welcome to cast cast, the podcast within the podcast, about the cast of other podcasts, and the style of cast of other podcasts. This week on cast cast, uh, look for your server community in World v. World. There, there is a TeamSpeak or a Discord for every server. If you want to get involved, that's the way to go. That's where you're going to find other people who know what they're talking about in World of the World instead of just me who's like, yeah, I know some, some things that I got yelled at for once that you shouldn't do that, so you, know, so you don't make the same mistakes as me. Right. Those are the people who are going to tell you uh, not to do those better than me. Yep. And you're playing Dark Souls. And I'm playing Dark Souls, like, right now. I am so excited. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Uh, I, I am waist deep in dark souls i bought it i mean literally you're in a swamp right now i am uh i bought it after much encouragement from a large number of my friends and i've been convinced to stream it 
And so I've been doing that, and right after the show, I am going to go stream it right now. And I've been looking forward to it for like a week because I kept trying to do it last week and something would come up or something would be going on. And I'd be like, I just want to play a Dark Souls. But I'm yeah. going to do it right now and it's going to be great. That sounds like a plan. And uh, without further ado, uh, I think that's going to be it for for us this week. We're signing off. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back soonish as usual. Bye. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com, email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.